Hello and welcome to the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. I'm Alex Freeman, joined as always by my co-host, the one and only big Broadway guy, Luke Chaconis. Luke, how are you? Me? Me? I am good. I am the big Broadway guy of the podcast. Um, all, you know, I, Although you live in New York, everyone knows that the heart of Broadway once runs through me. That's where it is, right there. That's right. Uh, yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I uh, saw a terrible off-Broadway show, which I, I won't name. Um, oh, I can't wait to get the text week, later about that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody I was s- trying real hard. Okay, good. I saw a terrific uh, production, which actually this might be applicable to some of our listeners since it is a national tour of To Kill a Mockingbird this past Saturday evening uh, here in Florida, and it is sensational. I know we are a baseball podcast, but from time to time, we do go on these diatribes about Broadway and theater. If you want to see some good theater with a relevant story, highly recommend To Kill a Mockingbird. Richard Thomas absolutely kills it as Atticus Finch. My, oh my, that guy's an actor. Yeah, that production is uh, stunning. It's absolutely yeah. stunning. I saw it twice on Broadway. I, saw it, I was going to say, yeah. I've seen the tour once. Uh-huh. Um, if, uh, if the opportunity presents itself... I'll see the tour again. I'm not scared. Did you, this kind of relates a little bit back to Detroit Tigers baseball. Did you see the Broadway production when diehard Tiger fan himself, Jeff Daniels, was Atticus Finch? Or did you see the Ed Harris version? I saw uh, Jeff Daniels as Atticus Finch. And then I saw Greg Kinnear as the other Atticus Finch. Wow. So did it go, well, we're just really, if you were looking for a baseball conversation, sorry folks, but we're, we're geeking out here right now about musical, about theater. I am said, it's not musical theater. Just, yeah. Anyways, let's keep moving. Uh, so it went Ed Harris, Jeff Daniels, Greg Kinnear, and now the touring production with Richard Thomas. Um, it went Jeff Daniels, Ed Harris, the pandemic, Jeff Daniels, Greg Kinnear, now touring with Richard Richard Thomas. I did not know Greg Kinnear played the part. Wow, you are you for are about That's... four days before okay, it, gotcha. it announced it was closing on Broadway. Gotcha, gotcha. That would have been also. I mean, four four top notch actors. But yeah, really good show. So I know we're not a, a Broadway podcast or a To Kill a Mockingbird. That sh- that story is still so relevant. I'm sorry. I have it is so relevant and heartbreaking and important. And it is just so flippin' fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah, just just a phenomenal show. Highly recommend if it's in your if it's in a city near you. Some of Aaron Sorkin's best writing of his career. Uh, Dude, that adaptation. for three hours, that that thing just zooms by. Literally, it just it is almost a three hour straight play with no music, no dancing, and it just from the from the jump, just you're you're going. So let's to transition into Tigers baseball. Speaking of from the jump, you're going. <laughs> we're going. Uh, that's a professional transition right there. Uh, we're the amount of people games, we just lost with that conversation. Three games into spring training, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to caveat this short conversation here with I think we both really believe that spring training does not matter. Um, it does whole in terms of win loss. There are certainly things that you can look at as they're occurring in spring training that you can go, that's maybe a red flag for the season. Um, But in general, who gives a crap? And especially who gives a crap of the first three games of spring training? I'm looking through these box scores and I'm going, wait, 
who with some of these guys mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Uh, for for all the teams involved uh in spring training not yeah. just the Detroit Tigers uh so Luke I guess uh on three games of spring training the Tigers are uh one one and one and uh what's your what's your biggest takeaway so far of what you're seeing this spring I'm going to need you to cue up the music for a Luke rant because I've got a lot of opinions about these first three games. Uh, no, you shouldn't have an opinion. End the episode right now if you go into a rant. <laughs> uh, no, you should not have a legitimate, negative, angry reaction to not not only the first three spring training games, literally any spring training game. Now, if the Tigers didn't win a single game throughout the entirety of spring training, then I'd maybe give you a little grace to be like, all right, we, we have maybe some things to be worried about heading into the season. Uh, but the reason I'm, I'm making fun almost is because I was on Tiger's Twitter this past weekend, and I don't know if it was sarcasm, hyperbole, who knows, but there did seem to be some people legitimately worried that the season was in jeopardy because of the first three spring training games of the season. Now, I will admit, I believe it was during that atrocious first a series of the season last year against Tampa Bay, I was on Twitter smashing the panic button. And for rightfully so, they once again had a pretty shitty month of April. But even myself, someone who can admit from time to time may overreact about how the Detroit Tigers are playing, even I can admit. If you're worrying legitimately about wins and losses in spring training, you're not understanding the bigger picture. It's not about wins. It's not about losses. It's not even in this case about ties if you're looking at that second game of the season. It's about trying to get your team to gel as a cohesive unit, getting the rust you know, kind of shaken off following a four-month kind of summer vacation these guys are on. And the most importantly, for those who are on the bubble competing and fighting for a job mm-hmm. to make the trip up to Michigan for the end of March, early April opening. So yeah, I don't, I don't care. Do I love watching spring training games? Absolutely. It is so awesome to once again, be able to watch some baseball. I was at my gym the other day on a very nice brisk 70 degree day here in Naples, had the garage door open, doing some running and walking on the treadmill, doing some jump ropes and was watching the Cubs giant spring training game on my phone. And it was lovely. Truly, truly lovely. Yesterday, I spent maybe a good hour, hour and a half watching that Tigers game uh, against Tampa. Had a wonderful time. Thought a little little bit on my phone today. Wonderful time for the uh, third game of the season against the Astros. But overall, I'm not losing sleep over any of these games. I'm solely watching for guys trying to make the cut. And that's pretty much it. I want to know. I the only things I'm really following pretty closely are those positional battles and those guys who are on the bubble. So yes, I am monitoring a lot of Justin Henry Malloy's at bats. Now he's been performing thus far. You know, same thing for the Akil Badus, the Andre Lipsius. You know, all those guys are kind of those fringe to be that last spot or two. Those are the guys I am kind of monitoring more closely. I know Spencer Torkelson's making the team. We know Mark Canna's making the team. So we know Casey Mize and Tarek Scuba. We, we know all those guys. There's no one fighting for their lives there. A couple mm-hmm. positional battles here and there, a couple pitchers who are on the bubble, and those guys you should monitor. But if you're actually losing sleep or getting actively frustrated about the results of spring training, I'm just going to say it. You got to get a life. Yep. Go get one. Go get one. It'll do you some good. 
Yeah, I mean, like looking, I mean, just like looking through the box scores, it is like so clear that these are f- such fake baseball games. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the, the, and obviously, I mean, the score, Yankees, Tigers, 22 10, uh, tells you a At lot, <laughs> a lot already. Um, but the Football fact score. that there were, uh, 75 at bats in the game. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, and then let's see here. Another. Oh, that's hard math to do. Hang on. Seven, Thank God you're seven, doing it. 75, another 75 at bats in the Tigers Rays game. <laughs> like, yeah. Sounds about right. Um, the guys are right. getting in, the guys are getting in the work and it was a mere like 56 at bats in the Astros Tigers game today. So it's, it's such, such fake baseball right now. Nice to see. Dylan Dingler getting some hits um, uh-huh. in in at bat in the at bats here. Colt Keith looking pretty good at the plate um, at the moment. Uh-huh. Nice to see for a guy who just got a nice little contract extension. Like nice uh, nice things to see uh, from from the Tigers. I'm not concerned that Javi. Um, I don't think has a hit yet. Um, he's only played in two of the games. He's had like three plate appearances. Um, yeah, I. Nothing, nothing concerning to me. The uh, inside the park home run that dropped um, on the edge of of the infield, <laughs> hilarious clip. That was funny. <laughs> it was funny. That's that's good comedy. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, do the funny stuff now because I I don't want to see it in April. Uh, but yeah, but right now, you know what? I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you who the four guys involved in that were. Um, no, yeah. I watched, all, I watched the late, clip and I was like, guys. hang on, who is that? Who even mm-hmm. are these guys? They'll be at the yeah. minor league camp soon enough. Don't worry, everybody. Yeah. yeah. That was not Colt Keith kicking the ball to the. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know what? If the Lions ever need a punter, I think they found someone uh, who could potentially help if they ever have any, you know, issues on the punt game. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's it, I, now, granted, if that play happens on March twenty eighth against the Chicago White Sox, you better damn well for real cue up that Luke Rat music because I'm going to be pissed. But it's it was game two of spring, yeah. and we're still in the month of February. <laughs> like it's a couple weeks where we were watching football. It's it's not that big of a deal. I love, don't get me wrong, the people who can understand that it's a joke and it's, I love those people. Those sense of humor is great. The people on Twitter who are actually nervous and freaking out and smashing the panic button, you got to reevaluate your priorities a little bit because it's really not that serious. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Yeah, they, they lose the first game 22 to 10. They have that little league inside the park home run yesterday and then they win it doesn't it doesn't matter even even if they win all like it doesn't it just none of it matters it just it just doesn't matter watch for the positional battles watch because you're just mm-hmm. happy baseball is back on i know that's at least where i'm at i already have tickets uh next a week from tomorrow tuesday the 5th i'll be at the tigers braves spring training game as an early birthday present going with some family Love so it. that's going to be awesome i can't wait um but even even I'll I'll be outside enjoying a baseball game. If the Tigers lose, I won't be driving home, you know, sad because it's just a spring training game that doesn't really matter. And I hope everyone out there remembers that. I agree. I agree. But let's talk about that roster um, in just one moment.
We're back on the Michigan and Trumbull podcast, and obviously the biggest the biggest news since we last dropped an episode is that the Tigers have signed Gio Urshela to a one year one point five million dollar contract. Um, is Gio the everyday third baseman? Welcome probably. to the carousel. Probably, yeah, probably, probably, probably most of the time. Certainly, every time there's a lefty in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. But I would be pretty surprised if we didn't see him more often than not at third base. Uh, we know AJ loves to play matchups uh, for for better yep. or worse. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I love it. I loved the signing. Your your thoughts? I love the signing too. Real quick, I was listening to last week's episode and I'm a moron, go figure. I kept getting the number wrong. Colt Keith signed a six-year $28.5 million deal. So I just want to make sure that the listeners know that I truly, actually 28.6. See, I almost screwed up again, 28.6. Because I kept watching it and I read it and I was like, anyways, that's just where my brain goes sometimes. If you want to yell at Luke, you can email uh, Michigan and Trumbull podcast at gmail.com and uh-huh. uh, we'll, we'll pass along your rants. The email. To him. Or just shoot me a nasty yeah, shoot me a nasty DM on, on Twitter. I'm the one who's pretty much running it these days, so I'd be happy to talk. Uh as a Gio Urshela contract pertains, and to follow up on your question, I loved it. I think that this was a really solid move. Does this bump the Tigers from a potential seventy-eight win team to a seven or to an eighty-eight win team? No, it does not. But I think overall this is a very very solid move. I think it does kind of solidify and help out with the third base equation. Yes, I would venture to guess, at least right now, I'm going to assume he'll be like the third baseman 70 to 75% of the time. And then you'll see some Matt Veerling action, some Andy Abanez action, some Zach McKinstry action. He's a solid defender. Uh, I don't really care about his bat as long as he can play solid defense. I think there's other guys in the lineup who can pick his bat up. So. He's probably going to bat eight or ninth, and that's where I'm at. I know he's had a down year last year offensively, so there is the potential mm-hmm. for the bat to be there. But realistically, even if he has a year similar to last year, I will take that as long as the defense is there. Um, yeah, because that's what you need. You need some sure hands at the hot corner. This move kind of reminds me. I know they're different positions, but of when the Tigers signed Adam Everett in the 2009 season. Everyone was like, you just need someone who's solid. And Gio Urshela is a solid defender. Again, Adam Everett was not a very good hitter. Gio Urshela has proven in the past he has the ability to be a decent hitter, uh, not coming off such a great season last year. But them's the ropes. Again, I'm not worried about the bat. I want the glove to be good. And, yeah. you know, if he can get a couple hits here and there, I'm, I'm stoked about it. And I like this too because it allows Matt Veerling to kind of still hover around and cover a lot of different ground positional wise. And we know AJ loves to change the lineup. So this is just another toy for him to kind of go out and play with and see how it works. I'm curious to see what the Urshela signing does for someone like a Zach McKinstry or an Akil Badu or an Andre Lipsius or a Justin Henry Malloy, because now you are maybe looking at two kind of floater spots on terms of offense and position wise. Now that's probably been narrowed down to one. So someone's going to get left out in the cold yep. at the end of March. Um, Cause I think the, one of the names, one of the names you didn't say there is Andy Abanez. Um, yep. Uh, in there I think he's a lock who also can, can play in that outfield spot. And I think that can, can play outfield and that third base spot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Second. so yep. I think that, you know, you start to see where does, where does a, a guy like Akil Badu end up, mm-hmm. um, in that shuffle with less flexibility than some of those guys in positional availability. Yeah. Geo's, uh, zips projection is a, is a 280 batting average this year. Um, 10 home runs is what they're projecting him at. And that's great. I'll I take will that. gladly take that. I that's, will gladly take what that. a wonderful that, addition to the lineup. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, what a good and and again, I I give Scott Harris his his props this offseason. I loved what he did this season compared to last season. What a good deal! One year, one and a half mil. I mean, I know there's some more player incentives and things he can add on there, you know, depending on his performance. But I mean, solid, solid at the end. Again, it's not going to move the needle. This does not make them all of a sudden a hundred win baseball team going toe to toe with the Dodgers in the World Series. But it sure does kind of resolve some question marks at third base and if he can play to the caliber of that you know potential you just said with that stat and his you know projected numbers hell yeah i'm all for it i am absolutely all for it um all right so 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 luke with post the geo shirla signing uh cody stavenhagen Mm -hmm. of the athletic put together the uh a a reprojection of the lineup now now with geo in the mix uh so here's here's where we stand uh, most likely, um, according to, to Cody, and I trust his reporting. Uh, so at catcher, we have Jake Rogers. First base, Spencer Torkelson. Second base, Colt Keith. Shortstop, Javier Baez. Third base, Gio Urshela. Left field, Mark Canna. Center field, Parker Meadows. Right field, Riley Green. With Kerry Carpenter DHing. Your thoughts on that lineup? That would 100% be my my roster of guys. If I had to do a quick blind ranking of the one to nine, I would probably go Parker Meadows, Mark Canna, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter, Colt Keith, Javi Baez, Jake Rogers, Gio Urshela. There is only one guy in this lineup with a Zips projection of more than 20 home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple guys with 19 home runs. I think that's the only thing that I feel like is maybe missing from this lineup is a second power hitter. Um, a uh, Jorge Soler. You might say a uh, Jorge Soler. <laughs> I'm gonna bring uh, Jorge here one way or the other. <laughs> what maybe is missing from this lineup? Um, right. But in gen- in general, I don't I don't necessarily. We have to remember, even the reconfigured Comerica Park is still a very big ballpark, and so it does make sense for the Tigers to be more built with a doubles and triples lineup than it does mm-hmm. um, with a home run hitting lineup. Uh, Luke, who do you think are the top three zips projected home run hitters on this team? I am going to go Spencer Torkelson, yep. Riley Green, Kerry Carpenter. You are you are very close. Riley is not in that top three. Kerry is up there in the top three. Uh, obviously, Torque is number one. He's got a uh, Zips projection of 33 home runs this season. So mm-hmm. would love to see that. Uh, I'm sure that would be 
a thousand home runs if he played his home games at Yankee Stadium, but uh, that's a different... (laughs) That's a different (laughs) podcast. That's a different podcast for us to have. Yeah, yeah, so there's one other guy. So, um, Kerry Kerry is projected at 19 home runs. Colt Keith is the other one projected at 19 home runs. Um, And obviously, I would love to see... Like, Baez has been a 20 home run hitter in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think he can get back there. And I, I, I think if if Javi's bat is improved, although kind of early reports out of spring training seem to be that like not a real noticeable difference in his swing, uh, yeah. which I guess is fine. The swing might be fine. Maybe I need him to see the ball better. See the ball, be the ball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if he can get to that kind of twenty plus home run mark, then. Then maybe we don't miss Jorge Soler so much on this on this <laughs> roster. <laughs> I don't know, man. You're going to be hearing about Jorge Soler all season when he's just smashing balls into McCovey Cove out in San Francisco. And I'm going to be like, we could have had him. He could have been hitting moon shots to Ford Field. One thing I think that, and I'm not saying that you know he's going to be the next Johnny Bench, but and I've been an advocate of his for years. Jake Rogers is the man. I think what he does defensively is great. Yeah, you know, average-wise, probably isn't the best, but I think people are forgetting he hit 20 home runs last year. So yeah. he's got some pop in that bat as well. You know, he's not the next Pudge or Sal Perez, but I mean, he can he can definitely hit the long ball. Uh, I just I, I like at least the makings right now of this Tigers lineup. So let me kind of give you the hypothetical. And again, we're not going to look too much into three games thus far of spring training action. But we just kind of went through that lineup. I think we're both kind of in agreement. In agreement, that's how it'll probably shape up for opening day. So you take onto that Carson Kelly's your backup catcher. You're probably assuming that Matt Veerling and Andy Abanez are making the team out of camp because you know both can play both infield and outfield. Yep. So that probably leaves, let's say, depending on how many pitchers they take. Let's just say for the sake of the conversation, there's only one more spot offensively and position player wise. Who do you take? Who would you like to see make it? Who gets left out in the cold? Uh, let's just say for the sake of the argument, you get one more pick. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, oh, man, it's really hard. I I think I take a kill Badu. Mm. Um, Interesting. Which I know puts a lot of lefties um, into the lineup. Uh and on, I guess onto the roster, not into the lineup necessarily. But I just, I really like Akil Badu as a base runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is such a useful guy to have on the bench is somebody that can come in into those late game situations mm-hmm. and get you an extra 90 feet out yep. of out of a, a a ball that maybe that can get you to from first to third on a ball that for a lot of guys maybe would get you first to second. Yeah, I, I definitely speed kills and Akil's got a ton of it. This is still a fairly slow Tigers team. I mean, especially in the lineup, mainly your two quickest guys are probably going to be Parker Meadows and Riley Green. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely having some speed off the bench in Akil Badu is great. Uh, I was torn. Akil Badu would not be my pick. I was torn between Zach McKinstry and Justin Henry Malloy. And I am, I've been saying it since last season. I'm ready for the JHM show. I don't know what his ceiling is, but I yep. am just ready to see this guy 
play Major League Baseball. He absolutely crushed it last season in the minors. I get it. Defensively, there are some concerns. You know, you could throw him in the outfield. You could have him, you know, kind of be, do something where you're putting Kerry Carpenter in the outfield and letting him DH one day or vice versa. That's the other thing, too. You got to remember, Kerry Carpenter can play the outfield. Is he a good outfielder? You know, maybe not the best defensively, more more uh, more of a stick than than a glove, but that's okay. You know, he can he does have outfield experience, but um, yeah, I think right now if I had to pick one one other guy, I'd, I'd probably give the slight edge mm-hmm. to Justin Henry Malloy over a Zach McKinstry. It's so sad to think about, but Akil Badu. I mean, I feel like I mean it's it's pretty safe to say that it looks like the window and the ending of his book with time with tigers that that book is starting to kind of finally come to a close yes i think and so it feels like well. it was just yesterday yeah i think that i would what i would like to see happen is assuming he makes the team um out of camp that he he starts in detroit then i would like to see him have a decent enough uh first half of the season that he becomes a piece that you can package into something at the deadline if if, as we hope, the Tigers are buyers um, and kind of thinking through like Justin Henry Malloy, like if he's not fully ready, um, him staying at AAA and having a good first start, start to AAA um, and looking great at AAA again becomes a piece that is movable at the deadline if we're buyers um, without perhaps we're starting to get into that position now where I feel like there are actually options for the Tigers that they could get something mm-hmm. in return for without giving up something that is important to the success of the team. Not that I don't think these guys can and will contribute when they be, when they have the full-time old English D on their chest. Um, but I, but I don't know that like, Zach McKinstry versus JHM, like what's the, what's the real difference in the roster at that moment. And, mm-hmm. and so if we can go get that uh, relief pitcher or whatever we discover that we need at the deadline to actually go win the AL central, we can go do it. We have a piece to move. And as it pertains to Justin Henry Malloy, I mean, like I said, at the beginning of the show, while we're not watching the scores that closely because who cares about wins or losses production wise, he's had a very good start to his spring training camp, you know, had the home run that against Tampa has had a couple of hits. So he's definitely making the most of what opportunities, opportunities he's had thus far. And I'm pulling for him, you know, I mean, even a guy like Zach McKinstry, who I know wavered a lot last season and right before, you know, when they went out and made that move, Right before the season started last year, I will admittedly be like, I don't know, I don't get, I don't get it, I don't like this. It just feels mm-hmm. kind of like a scapegoat for Scott Harris to be like, look what I did. But it's clear that Scott Harris is now looking for certain types of players who can command the strike zone, play a multitude of positions, and can just be more well-rounded baseball players as opposed to that. Oh, I'm that stock first baseman who's going to hit you 50 home runs and a hundred and like long gone are the days of the Adam Duns of the world. And you know, that, that caliber, the Chris Davis is that caliber of, of player. So yeah. And I, th- I think it's interesting that, that that's kind of his approach, but it's worked. You know, I mean, you look at a guy like an Andy Abanez, he took a flyer on him last year, worked out, made that tray with Matt Veerling, sending Gregory Soto to the Phillies with Cody Clemens worked out. So there's been some hits, there's been some misses, but you know, 
it, it's just interesting. I, if you would ask me this time last year, is Zach McKinstry even going to be on the team anymore? I would have said, hell no. He's going to be gone by Mother's Day. But here we are. And when he was on, he was on. He definitely wavered kind of high highs, low lows, but definitely at least deserves to still be in the conversation right now about making this team headed into camp. And it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. I Yeah, there's... You are right, though. It is. It's nice to finally have what feels like options, as opposed to being like, yeah. "Well, we don't have anyone else." So Zach McKinstry will be the starting second baseman on opening day, and um, you know, by all accounts, we hope Colt Keith will be a smash hit. But there's no guarantees he will. Uh, you know, so if he ever runs into trouble, you know, then you're throwing in a guy like an Andy Abanez or Zach McKinstry, kind of back into that everyday second baseman slot. I think, for the record. Colt Keith is going to be a star once he hits the majors. I'm not really worried about him. There'll be a little bit of lag, I'm sure, but I think he'll be just fine. So I'm excited. A lot of options, a lot of things to be stoked about. And uh, yep, thus far, two thumbs up. All right, Luke, in closing here, any thoughts on uh, things like, oh, I don't know, Cody Bellinger signing with the Cubs again? What took him so long? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I can tell you that in three syllables, and those syllables are Scott Boris. Ah, Scott Boris. Yes, I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Uh, Yeah, I I, I don't get the Cody I mean I get it I'm I always kind of had a little bit of a hunch that I felt like he was going to go back to Chicago it just feel like it kind of made sense but the fact that it took till you know games to be in motion for spring training for that to happen was kind of a, a bit of a head scratcher um I think the contract he got was completely fair you know we were talking with Sean about it in our group text and that was always kind of like the number I felt it was going to be around I'm not just saying that I always thought it was going to be like 80 to 90. I didn't really mm-hmm. think he was ever going to cross the $100 million mark. So, you know, at the end of the day, it all worked out. I'm sure Cubs fans are stoked. They should be. So good for him. He was a good fit there last year. He'll probably keep having success there on the north side. Um, Tim Anderson, speaking of Chicago players, is now a Miami Marlin. So I think that was about a one-year, $5 to $7 million deal, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. So some movement there. But still, Blake Snell, still out, still on the market. Matt Chapman still out on the market. So a couple other guys as well, but uh, we'll, we'll be interesting to see if and if and when those guys all sign. I mean, I feel like they're the longer, the longer they wait and the more spring training is here. I feel like it's not going to bode well for them to get that payday they were hoping for. Yeah. So, which I means they could be, I mean, they could now be starting to look for, I mean, similar to the Bellinger deal, which was, which has an opt out after every season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, with those kinds of thoughts, like, are any of those guys guys you'd like to see the Tigers go? Now that we're not looking at potentially committing, you know, six years, two hundred million dollars, I think that no, offensively, my my answer is no. I, I'm I'm pretty set with this team right now. Even if it was like a Matt Chap, Matt Chapman now doesn't really have a position anymore because we've got mm-hmm. at least mul- a multitude of options at third base. They're not going to bring in a guy like Blake Snell after kind of already shoring up their starting pitching. Maybe they go out and bring in some type of reliever, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully there's no injuries, but that's that's also too, as as kind of messed up as it sounds, some of these guys might be waiting for, you know, do you wait to see if the injury bug comes and takes a bite out of someone before you head up to your respective states at the end of spring training? 
So as, as it pertains to the Tigers now, even if it's a one-year deal with multiple opt-outs, I, I'm not interested. I like the moves. I'm ready to see these guys compete. I think the Gio Urshela was the cherry on top mm-hmm. of a pretty productive offseason, and I'm ready to roll. And I don't think at this point it makes much sense, nor do I think anything will happen. So I would this agree. is the squad, and I, I, I like agree. it. I agree completely, Luke. And Luke... We'll talk more as things go. Next week, we're going to have a uh, wonderful interview ready for you, ready to go um, with a with a wonderful author of a great leadership book um, that is all about baseball and how baseball pertains to leadership. So excited to get into that conversation for you guys um, out there. Luke, any closing thoughts? No, I'm happy. Life is good. Go Tigers. Well, wait till April 1st and then we'll chat again. Oh, God, it's going to happen again. My hopes are getting high. Yeah, mine too. It's going to be a good time. (laughs) Go Tigers. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 